Welcome to the podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is You Aren't From Here. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Your boy is back. Your boy is back. Good to be back. Missed you guys. And uh, yeah, hope everyone's having a great pre-Christmas season. I think everyone can relate in this instance that I'm really not planning on doing a whole heck of a lot the next two, three days. Um, so hopefully either you're off completely or you're really sliding into uh, that Christmas season. So, Yeah, it, it's like, it's pretty interesting because Christmas now like falls on the weekend. So pretty much kills the entire week before. And then New Year's is the following weekend, so it's pretty much almost like a two-week just full-on break. Yeah, and that next week, like the week between Christmas and New Year's, I mean, it's just get work done where it needs to get done, but no one's no one's setting land speed records that week, you know? So it's like everyone just trying to just do their best, get, get moved along, and then, you know, start the new year in 2022. So whether you take PTO or not, really, I kind of view it as like you kind of got two weeks anyways because – no one's doing a lot this week. Next week, you may have a little bit, but I mean, if, even if you're in, in the office, it's kind of chill. So I love it. Yeah, no, definitely agree. Chill time of the year. Here we go. Commence chill time. Uh, so uh, this week we are going to do re-air just with it being, as we said, kind of a slow week. And next week <clears throat> being a slow week, we're going to do two re-airs. Uh, we found last year that our listening listeners kind of dropped off on these two weeks. So we thought, you know, don't kill ourselves and get up, but give out a good interview for when, you know, half of our listeners, not saying we don't love you. We just, you know, want everybody to hear the good episodes and Matt and I talking all the time. It isn't the most exciting. So we want to keep those interviews for those. Um, so this week we thought, you know, it's Christmas is coming obviously on Saturday. If you celebrate or not, it's still a pretty big holiday. And then uh, New Year's is coming the following weekend. So usually people kind of have like big meals for these. And we felt, you know, you're either going to do like Thanksgiving's traditionally going to be turkey, Christmas. A lot of people do ham. But if you wanted to change it up, we thought maybe rotisserie chickens and you could go to charcoal chicken. So we're going to replay the Adam Schlegel interview with Chuck charcoal chicken. And you can just hear kind of the background on how. He came about how they made their company. Um, He was actually one of the founders of Snooze. So really cool concept, really good chicken, as well as amazing sides. So strongly recommend if you need something last minute and you didn't plan ahead to get a ham or you didn't plan ahead to do something, this is a great alternative. Yeah. And if nothing more, you can just try to uh, challenge your family members by saying charcoal chicken 10 times fast. So, you know, it's multifaceted, you know, good episode. You know, so I think you'll you'll like it, and I think that's a good point, Sled. I mean, if you, even if you, you know, if you're with family, or even if you're not with family and you're by yourself, or you're with you know significant other and you're wanting something, you know, that's a pretty decent option. You know, it's definitely outside of the box, but still, uh, still holiday festivity, I guess, if for you know the rotisserie chicken style. So I think that's a uh, pretty applicable here. I like it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so, Sled, do you do you have any uh, fun facts, my friend? Or yeah, well. I wouldn't say any fun facts. I think, you know, we're in the winter season. I thought we, if there's any, due to such low snowfall, I thought we'd give some updates on snowfall each week. At least if there, is, if there is some updates yeah. on snowfall. So <clears throat> this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, looks like it's going to be pretty dry. Luckily, we did get some snow last week, so, so some stuff kind of opened up or at least felt a little bit better out in the mountains. But the great part is Wednesday through Saturday, that it's looking like the models are predicting storms. And it's going to start Wednesday night and go through, I believe it's Wednesday through Friday night, and they're pretty intense storms. So it's saying anywhere from 12 to 24 inches, and then in other areas, it's from 6 to 12 range. So at any rate, I think that's good for everywhere, is that we're at least going to get some snow. Then they're predicting... Saturday and Sundays are maybe. So there's, I guess, these two different kinds of models, which I'll do what did you learn maybe in a couple of weeks on the European model and the American model are predicting some pretty intense storms Saturday and Sunday. 
but the Canadian models and the German models are showing no snow. So kind of weird that they predict different things, but they're saying if those all align, it's usually pretty good on the five to six days out. So I guess Saturday and Sunday are big days to watch. There's a possibility that we could have some intense snows. Possibility we could have absolutely nothing. <clears throat> then Monday and Tuesday, all four major models have talked about snow and generally snow next early next week. So that's great. So it's more snow. And then the longer range models are showing basically stormy weather and cold air are supposed to stay over the Rockies during the end of December and into early January. So possibly another big, um, they just said like with that sitting over the Rockies, it's usually a good sign of snow. So, um, but it's a little too far out. So it looks like we could possibly make up for a crappy early season with a better season starting basically this Wednesday and then maybe ending right after the beginning of the year. Dude, that'd be so huge. We need, we need all the snow we can get, <clears throat> we can get really even here in Denver too. So I think everyone will agree any precipitation and we'll take <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I would say as a reminder, open snow is the website that I mainly use. I think there's an app. It's the most like, I think up to date and detailed you can get for every single mountain specifically. And then you can also read about different areas. Um, and they use, as I said, the European, the American, the Canadian, and the German model. So they're not just using one. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's fascinating. I've never even heard about like American, Canadian, German models. So I, I've already learned something in that I wasn't aware that there were different country models. And I, I guess I assumed that, but I didn't know that you could collaboratively use those. I don't know why everyone's not doing that. But hey, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine... I would imagine some forecasters at you know Fox Four News probably use it, but you never know. Or whatever Denver Fox Two News, I don't know what channel it is, but yeah. So, so yeah, Fast. forward to snow. Keep uh, keep doing the snow dances, and hopefully, it'll keep coming. Thanks, Trey, dude. Thanks, Trey. All right. Well, so is that is that is that the fun facts, or is that the what we learned? Because that's fun facts. Okay, well then, sweat. Then kick us off here, dude, my friend. What did we learn this week? Yeah, so this one I wouldn't say is the most exciting or most mind blowing of what did we learn, but I thought it was very crucial. Which is people coming up on Christmas and New Year's. There's a lot of people getting out and skiing. So this one is specific to the Epic Mountains, which is you know your Vale, your Keystone, your Breckenridge, those mountains. So when you go to those mountains, there's the eating places on the mountain, right? And last year they started doing this where you basically had to have a reservation to get a table, which was pretty enjoyable because you just, you know, you walk in, you have your table and you have your spot. So this year they are continuing that. So if you want to eat at one of the lunch spaces, say at Vail, so say if you want to go to like Blue Sky Basin, which isn't open, but say if you were, and you wanted to sit at a table, <clears throat> you need to get a reservation. I think there are technically walk-ins, but during this busy season, we strongly recommend you get a reservation, especially if you have a big group. Um, so to get a reservation, you basically get online and it's called, what you can Google is pretty much like <clears throat> whatever the name of the place you want to go. So say if you're going like Blue Sky Basin, you search like Blue Sky Basin uh, reservations and it'll come up with a website. There is a way you can go through the Epic website or just Google like dining options, reservations, Epic, and you can sort like the specific mountain you're searching, it'll come up. It's what they use is called talk. And what you can do is you go in there the day before they release the reservations for the following day. So you can't really book it out a week ahead, which is actually, I think, kind of nice because the day before everybody gets a fair shot at it. And you pretty much put in like anything like open table where you put in the number of people, the desired time, and it shows you what times you have available um, for those days. I would say it. one thing, the addition that they've, ha- they've added this year is you do have to either show a physical vaccination card, a photo of a vaccination card on your phone, or an official vaccination mobile app. So as we've talked about multiple times, the My Colorado app is a great idea for this. And... Make sure sometimes people don't have great service on the mountain. So 
if you do have the My Colorado app, I would say screenshot it as well as a backup in case you, for some reason, can't get Wi-Fi. <clears throat> I would say the enjoyable part about it, and I think almost the just say going forward, is it's not one of those things where you're standing there and you have to wait for somebody to get done with their lunch, and then you're, like, attacking the table to try to get a new table. It's like you walk in, you say you have a 1 o'clock reservation, they say your table 105, and that's where you go. So... That's super nice part. Um, some kind of rules. They said all tables and seats will be available for present guests only. And they ask that you do not hold tables. Um, and then all tables have a time limit of 45 minutes. I think that's probably during the hours of, you know, 11 to one, but after outside those hours, I think they're pretty lenient on letting you sit there. Um, and then I think one last thing is if you do have the Epic pass, as a reminder, you do get 20% off all food items, excluding alcohol. So if I got like chicken tenders this weekend, they're usually like $17.50 with tax. And I think they were $14 and like 50 cents without. So it's pretty substantial. Highly recommend it. Um, so if you're going out this weekend or next weekend, make sure to get your reservations. For sure. And I actually did that. So uh, Sonam and I were both in Vail this weekend and we didn't end up meeting up because I was trying skiing out again for the first time in 15 years. So I needed to dust the cobwebs off. But um, we went to Midvale. And the cool part about the vaccine, so like Sonam said, you do, you are required to show proof of vaccination. But if for all my Epic Pass holders, what they end up doing is we showed them our vaccination card and they give you a sticker that says vaccination verified and they put it on your pass. So for the rest of the season, you don't actually have to have your vaccination. You can just show them your Epic pass with that sticker and you don't have to bring it ever again. So the cool part is you have to show it the first time you go in there, but there was a guy sitting there with a strip of these verified things. And if you are an Epic card holder, he will give you, or he or she will give you a sticker and then you don't have to worry about it again. So kind of convenient and cool that once you do it the first time, then you don't have to worry about it again. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised that they haven't gotten to the point where you can upload it onto your Epic Pass, but maybe that's next season if this COVID thing's still around. Right, yeah, like they would print your pass and it'd actually have it like printed on the thing. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't know, well, but I guess the sticker's like the, you know, the not as high-tech version, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's the equivalent, I guess. Yeah, or even just if they scanned your barcode, it would say like vaccinated. <clears throat> what do we do? Right. We should uh, we should write a letter to uh, the Epic Pass people. The Vail people. Yeah, they did. Vail Resorts did get a new CEO. So, you know, maybe she's maybe she's switching things up. Maybe she'll add it. She'll listen to the You Aren't From Here podcast. Damn straight. Damn straight. Trust hey, me. You got a voice. Trust me. Voice. I've reached Come out on. to I've reached out to her multiple times. Uh, I just get pushed out to the marketing person for interviews. So one day she will respond. And not push me to her head of marketing. When we're at 100,000 followers, she will respond. Debatable. Maybe. 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 (laughs) So, Matt, with that, uh, where do we go this week? Ooh, sweat. So, we, um, you know, the the interview that we had with the Denver Center for Performing Arts, we've told you guys a thousand times, I've personally told you guys, the Spangler family loves the shows like it's the Broadway shows, but we hadn't actually gone to anything other than just Lion King at the Buell, right? And so this weekend we went to the Betcher Center or Betcher Concert Hall. It's B-O-E-T-T-C-H-E-R Concert Hall. I think it's Betcher. And it's part of the campus that we keep talking about. It's right next to the Buell. And we saw Elf. And so what the, the Colorado Symphony does is it's a, comfort, it's a Colorado Symphony event, and it's essentially they will play some of your favorite movies, but they will have the full orchestra on stage that will play the score of the movie alongside the movie as it's playing. So for like we saw Elf, and they have these big screens that you're actually watching the physical movie, but there's no music to it, Right. And then you just, they just play and it's pretty miraculous because they're, they're live and they're watching the movie too. And it is like spot on and you, you, it's so spot on that you almost forget that there's a live orchestra on stage. Like you just get involved in watching the movie and it's so spot on, like you're watching the movie that you forget that 
there's a hundred people, a hundred person orchestra playing this score. So it was super, super cool. One of my favorite events that I've been to fairly inexpensive. It's, it's the length of the movie. So it's not like a, you know, three hour ordeal. It's a pretty, pretty good idea for a, a small short date night, but we saw elf. They have a bunch of other movies. If you're wanting to be in the Christmas spirit, the next ones coming up are Disney's a Muppet Christmas Carol. And that they have a show at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and a show at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And then the next one after that they have is Disney's Fantasia. And that is Friday, February 4th at 7 p.m. And they have one Saturday, February 5th at 2.30 p.m. So those are the next two. They have a lot more offerings than just that. But those are the next two that are kind of coming up. So that's far at... Oh, what? I would say that's pretty incredible. Like, like you get to the point where you're fully paying attention to the movie and you don't even realize there's a full blown orchestra below it. Dude, it's it is pretty pretty incredible. Like we were close enough to where you could see like the the maestro or the the head guy. He has like a thing, an electronic screen that kind of tells them when to cue things in. But it is it is it's talent. I mean, not only are they talented musicians but the amount of rehearsals that they would have had to gone through to get, get it, the timing right is pretty, pretty crazy. And, and the thing is, is it's, it was at least a hundred people. So it was like a huge orchestra and it, it was, it was one of the coolest things to see live. Cause it, I mean, Elf, I've seen Elf a thousand times, but you would never really know outside of the music being a little louder than usual that if you didn't take your eyes off the screen, you would think you were just watching Elf. Like, Pretty, pretty amazing. But what I will say here too, Sweat, is as far as pricing goes, it is a little cheaper than like what you would see at at, at the Buell. So your 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 Buell Broadway tickets can cost anywhere from like you know eighty bucks to upwards of like three to four hundred. The the pricing depends on what level you sit at, but the cheapest price for a level five is fifteen dollars a ticket. Then you can go, and then you can go to level four, which is 33, level three, which is 55, level two, 71, level one, 89. So the most expensive ticket is $89. And that, that I mean, it's it, that for premium seating at Broadway at the Buell, you're, you're four or five times that, right? So it's a pretty cool, inexpensive way to see a live show and just see a, a favorite movie. Would you say that like level five is? to the point where it's like unbearable, like it's far enough away to where it would be kind of miserable or would you say $15 it's still like, it's still worth it? I would say it's hundred percent worth it. That the equivalent of what I would, what I would say is if you've ever been to a professional football game and you're in the nosebleeds, like AT&T stadium in Dallas, if you're in the nosebleeds, but you have that awesome screen in front of you, you, you can clearly, very clearly see the screen everything you need to the orchestra you may be missing some of like the the very detailed nuances of them playing music but oftentimes the the lights are dimmed after the orchestra anyways because you're watching a movie so i would say the the, your your vision of the screen where the movie is playing is perfect if you're a big musician and love like the talent and watching them play go for the better levels but for me i've never played instrument I, i think it's really pretty listening to it but i don't care as much being able to actually see the violinists like do their thing like i can hear them and that's enough for me so like level five is plenty you have a perfect view of the screen you can the acoustics are great you can hear everything so i I would say level five is plenty honestly i would i mean for 15 bucks more for 33 bucks a ticket you might as well go level four just just in case but i mean if you're balling on that budget level five is is a very good option nice that's awesome Love it. Yeah, dude. So definitely recommend it. Um, as far as my rating goes, I, I mean, honestly, I'd probably give it like an 8.7. I, uh, for the, for the price and the experience, if you like live music, if, especially for some of your favorite movies, especially around Christmas time, I mean, it's, it's a quick show. You're, it's about two hours start to finish with an intermission and you know, it's, it's, uh, I never knew that they did this. I was just super, super impressed. Well, not only with the music, but the timing and everything. So 8.7 would 100% recommend you guys going, especially by the time you listen to this episode, 
the Disney Disney's A Muppet Christmas Carol is there's a show tomorrow, Wednesday, December 22nd, and there's a show on Thursday, December 23rd. So you can still get tickets for those. Would definitely recommend it if you're looking for something pre-Christmas to do with the family or date night or something like that. Nice. I love it. Get out there. That sounds really, really cool. Yeah. See, and it's like, it's like we, we talked about it and I wish we, I would have done that a little more when we, we had our interview at the Denver center for, for performing arts, but guys, that's, there's so much to do there. Like there's so many cool experiences outside of just Broadway at the Buell. So even, even more so than just the orchestra or the Buell, we would definitely encourage you guys just to go do your research about what's on that campus. There's a, there's an opera house that has really cool shows. I mean, just go, go figure out what, what there is to do. I'm not a big orchestra guy, but this was amazing. So you'd be surprised, I think, about what they actually offer. Yeah, no, that's really, really cool. That's really high rating. So run, don't walk. I know, right? Run, don't walk, peeps. 8.7, you hear it here first. All right, Matt. Continuing on, uh, where did we go? Or what did we try this week? Sorry. Yeah, come on, come on. So we went to... Me, the Misses, and Gary the Golden all went to Lowry Beer Garden last week. So Lowry Beer Garden, I know, spoiler, it's in Lowry. So I know that's really, you know, you didn't see that one coming. But it is a beer garden that has a really cool outdoor patio that's dog friendly. They have 16 beers on tap. They have 40 additional beers that are in beer and bottle. It's just a really cool, like, I I haven't been to a lot of beer gardens that aren't, you know, jam-packed here. And Lowry, I mean, we went on a Thursday night, and it was like a perfect ambiance. They had heaters outside almost at every table. It was a really cool option, especially on weeks like this where we're in, like, the 60s. I mean, it's, it's an awesome opportunity for you to go sit outside, drink some beers, especially if you have dogs. Go give it a shot. The way they describe it, I'll read their definition, but... Um, I'll tell a little bit more about my experience after that, but they say the Lowry beer garden is nestled in its very own park with more than 9,000 square feet of outdoor garden area, vast open air seating and inviting covered pavilion, the communal Oktoberfest style picnic tables that collectively can accommodate up to 500 guests foster an environment of community and conviviality. Say that five times fast. The garden offers a thoughtful draft and bottled beer selection with a focus on Colorado and handcrafted brews. The Lowry Beer Garden also serves up your favorite casual fare with locally made gourmet broths and sausages, freshly baked pretzels, house ground burgers, hand cut fries, and chef created salads. So the, the food, it's really cool because when you leave an open tab, they have one side, like the left side is food only and the right is their tap. And when you open a tab, you just can leave it and it applies to the food and the beer. So we went up, got a couple, um, got a couple beers and they have a really cool list of beer or uh, like brats and hot dogs. And so you can choose your hot dog or brat. They have like jalapeno stuffed brats. They have beer brats. They have all their hot dogs. And then you can add for like $2 more various toppings. And what I got, and this was, it was um, pretty dank. I got the, where, where, where is it? I got the Eisenhower. No, I got the Air Force. So the Air Force, I did a, a beer brat, which is $7.50. And then for $2 more, so for $9.50 total. The Air Force, they add jalapeno cream cheese, bacon, marmalade, and crispy onion straws on top of it. So that's for $2 more, and it is janky. So... <laughs> Like really, really friggin' good. And they have like pretzels and, you know, fried pickles and burgers and all that stuff. What is, uh, I mean, crispy onions on like anything is amazing, but curious, what is like price range on beer and then what is on the food? I just, when you go to breweries, it's always so hit or miss. If they're like one of those breweries that charges like $3 and there's like the ones that charge like eight. <laughs> Yeah, so it depends on the beer, and obviously ABV comes into play too. I would say the beers are anywhere from about six dollars all the way to like seven fifty. So it's a six to seven fifty dollar beer depending on the beer. Seems pretty. And yeah, it's not horrible. They, what I will say is they do have happy hour, 
and they're the happy hour you know they they only they only apply to certain beers so like the really high abv beers don't really apply but their happy hours they have beers for four dollars and fifty cents so you could go during happy hour which is three to six and it's monday through friday and you can get a four dollar and fifty cent beer look at that i like that it's till six i mean till six and it's and it's on fridays too which is huge wow as we've always said, we are big fans of happy hours past the hour of five. So that's big. That's that, that's got to be a you aren't from here. Like that's got to be one of our rules of what 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 are the key cornerstones of a good restaurant? And the you aren't from here, maybe I would maybe not number one, but very high up there. Happy hour past five. Yeah, I mean, and and happy hour more than just a friggin' dollar off. I've, don't get me started. That was one of the earlier things. I'm just saying, for all of you that are charging twelve dollars for a margarita, a dollar ain't gonna do anything, right? So <laughs> let's get the happy hour. Let's kick her into high gear. All right, come on. Yeah, I mean, to cough out. This balling on a budget. Happy hours past five. If they're on week up there on Fridays and weekends, bonus points. And if it's like, and it's got to be more than just a dollar, unless. You already have like four dollar marks or like five dollar marks. Like like I think legal Pete's theirs is like a dollar off, but their marks are already at like six dollars. So I'm good with that. But if, as you said, if it's you know if we're double digits and you're just giving me a dollar, that's not a happy hour. Yeah, and we all know illegal Pete's is like the yarn from here is like baby. Like the illegal Pete's is just the the goat. It is it it for for margaritas and happy hours. No one can touch illegal pizza. I'm telling you that right now, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, don't get me, don't get me started. We're not here to talk about that. So the Lowry Beer Garden, back to that. 16 beers on draft, anywhere from six to seven fifty, depending on ABV, craft style, all that stuff. They have a bunch of beers and bottles, you know, 40 plus on that front. And happy hours about 450. Gotcha. And how long does how far how long does it take to get there from Denver, would you say? So Lowry's not super far. Lowry is, it is kind of right on the edge of like Aurora. So it's really, it's not, there's not a direct way to get there. I would say you're going to cut through various roads. You essentially have like Colorado on the left side and you have East Colfax on the north side. So it's like almost smack dab in the middle of between East Colfax and Colorado. What I would say, and I'm trying to find, you know, from it's probably closest to Cherry Creek. It looks like it's probably about five to seven minutes from Cherry Creek, just due east. So if you had to figure out like where it is geographically, if you hopped on like Sixth Avenue from Cherry Creek and you just went five to seven minutes east, you would you would run into it. So it's definitely like an up and coming area. They're they're um, it's where the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum is. So if you've ever been to that, it's literally in the same area. But it's a really cool up-and-coming area. They're, they're building a ton of new stuff over there. But I would say it's definitely on the southeast side of the city. So just keep that in mind. Nice. I like it. Well, overall, pretty good rating week. Yeah, I don't do. I mean, rating wise on this one, so it's not. I can't give it an eight point seven. It's not. I mean, it's not my my Colorado Symphony. I would say like probably a seven point six. I I really liked it. the 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 thing I liked about it is it was not crowded. I don't think the secret's out yet because it's a really cool spot. But it is a beer. It's a beer garden, right? They're they're not Lowry Beer Garden's not doing anything super astronomically new or crazy. It's just really it's good beer. It's good food. It's now out, outdoor space. So if you have a dog, it's a really good option, but I can't give it much over a 7.6 because it's not, it's, it's exactly what you expect. So there's nothing really there that's like above and beyond crazy. So 7.6 would definitely recommend it if you're trying to find, you know, get out of low high or try to, you know, find areas with beer gardens that are not, you're not going to be fighting for a table, you know, so. Yeah. And last one before we close it out. Is it, what's the warmth situation? Obviously we've had really warm days, but um, at nighttime, obviously it's getting, it's pretty cold right now and foreseeable future. I would imagine we're going to start to get colder, but you know, maybe not, but at night at least, is there, so heaters outside, what's that situation? 
so they have a covered they have a covered section so if you don't have a dog or an animal you're completely fine they have a covered section that's heated so you won't it, it still has the beer garden vibe because it's you know long oktoberfest tables like i said in the description but you won't have any any difficulties inside they have an inside section outside if you have a dog it will get cold they have they have almost a heater per table but the problem is like when we went, it was windy and that the heaters aren't gonna protect from the wind, right? So it's like, it, it, it's definitely a cool option, but it's not like they have anything blocking the wind or crazy heaters that you don't notice it's cold outside. Like we, we got out there probably around like three or four and by like six or seven, we were cold. And we were like, all right, we need to leave. So it, they have heaters, but it's still outside in Colorado in the winter, you know? So would recommend if it's a great day, we definitely recommend bring the dogs but just know i mean you're outside and there are heaters but a heater can only go so far outside in colorado winter so i would say if it's really cold and you want to go leave the pups at home they have a great inside section if it's a great day bring the pups but you're going to want to hover around the hours you know between you know two to three to six to seven before it gets really dark and cold so keep nice. that i like it those are all the details you need that's right that's right so Go to Lowry Beer Garden for a little pregame. Go to the Colorado Symphony. And then the next morning, wake up and get your reservation in the mountains and go hit the mountains. Look at that. All, full circle. We just gave you a weekend. We just gave you a weekend. So don't, we don't want to hear about you're not doing anything in Colorado. We just gave you There a we weekend. go. There you go. And then order your trick truckle chicken for when you get back and you need dinner for Christmas Eve. There we go. Full weekend. So we need we need like a tip jar or something. This is like, are you kidding me? Just a full, <laughs> we're like, we're like, we're like event planners at this point. Yeah, I mean, basically, all we need to do is just set reservation times and full blown event planners. I know, I know. Yeah, we can we can maybe start the new branch of you're in from here event planning, but I'll leave that. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. I'm not very good at planning things. So <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Well. That is the episode this week. Um, as a reminder, we are going to re-air re the interview with Adam Schlegel, who's the co-founder of Chook Charcoal Chicken. It was episode 33 originally, which was broadcasted June 1st, 2021. So about a little less than six months ago. So get excited, sit back, relax. If you've already heard it, give it another listen. If you haven't heard it, it's a great one. Thanks, guys. Yeah. That's right. Have a splendid holiday, guys. Be safe. We love y'all. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. All right, guys. We are here with Adam Schlegel, who is the founder slash co-founder of Chook Charcoal Chicken. Uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. So to start it out, We'll start off pretty easy, kind of a softball question. Um, can you give us a little bit about your background? Tell us about yourself and then why you started Chook Charcoal Chicken. Softball. I'll try to keep it truncated, <laughs> though, for you. Um, Sounds good. I'm a Denver native um, and have um, I got into the restaurant business back in like 2006. So my brother had this wild idea to start a breakfast restaurant called Snooze. Um, I wanted to help my brother fulfill his dream and was burned out on my corporate gig. So I left and uh, helped him run Snooze for about seven or eight odd years. And we're obviously very fortunate to see Snooze do what it did. Um, and I was able to kind of, I say, use my evil corporate skills for good um, in helping build out um, Snooze and what it did. So did that for seven years, moved on. Um, my wife's from Australia, so spent a number of years um, over in Australia with our two little boys, having a grand old time, and then actually came back to Denver just because, you know, I think the grass is sometimes always greener, and, I, and then actually going over there made me realize how special the city is and I think could be. So we moved back in about 2015 and had a number of various jobs in, like, the restaurant area and consulting, some work in, like, nonprofit spaces, uh, ran a group called Eat Denver and uh, did a lot of work in sustainability side, but then had this idea, or really my wife had the idea for Chuck. Uh, we had these neighborhood chicken shops in Australia and they were just like these awesome go-to spots. Um, my family's 
you know, it's like dinner time and I'm running home and I'm late and there's nothing ready for dinner. And I want something that's healthy and delicious and affordable. Um, and also something that was thoughtful in how it was raised. Mm-hmm. And they had chicken shops all over Australia that did it. So my wife, when we moved back here, was just like, we really miss our local chicken shop. And I put the bug into Alex Seidel's ear. So Alex famed great restaurateur of Colorado um, with Mercantile and Fruition. And we've become friends over the years. And I threw out this idea. And after a while, I think him seeing the idea that, you know, we're trying to be more than just a restaurant, um, that we really believe we both really want to make a difference in our communities. And for us, the way we've been able to do that is through restaurants. So building Chuck is both that healthy, delicious, affordable food, um, but also a way for us to garner something larger in our community and help the change that we kind of want to see happen. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> and so I guess if you had never been to Chuck, can you give somebody a, a quick synopsis of what it is and kind of the menu items that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's fine dining food and a quick casual atmosphere. So again, like Alex won the James Beard Award in 2018, fruition and mercantile, some of the best farm to table restaurants, city, state, country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, our, our really premise, so chook means chicken in Australian lingo. Um, and, and we obviously do chicken and we do chicken very well, um, but we're not fried chicken. And again, that kind of really focusing on like a healthy, great family meal or just healthy meal. So everything that we cook, um, chicken starting is cooked over a charcoal grill. Um, and it's actually a charcoal grill we found down in Australia and have brought up um, to our spots. So we cook all this awesome chicken. The chicken gets like brine. We went out and actually found the chicken farms that we want to use. Um, they're actually out in Indiana, um, kind of a co-op of Amish farms um, that produce it. So they're done with a lot of the ethics and sustainability standards that is, are very important to us. Mm-hmm. So we cook this awesome chicken over rotisserie fire. That's obviously one of the hallmarks and it's got some like great sauces that can go with it. Um, but I also think that we're a, a really delicious vegetarian restaurant, um, which I think is very needed, just period, uh, throughout. So we'll have a lot of like grilled carrot salads or grilled broccoli on, on dishes. We try to utilize this charcoal grill as much as we can on a lot of different items. So um, we have some traditional like delicious mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, best mashed potatoes you ever have. Uh, but like the grilled carrot salad is something I just ate about an hour ago and probably will tomorrow and they did the day before. Um, we have these new bowls that are really delicious, like working with broccoli, um, you know, roasted uh, green beans, using some of the different sauces that we have. So it's comfort food, it's healthy food, it's got a little bit of an Aussie twinge to it. Um, it's certainly got a lot of Americana uh, and farm to table to it. And then we also just try to pull influences. So there's like a Piri Piri sauce that's got an origin in Portu- uh, Portugal. Um, it's one of the great dipping sauces for chimichurri. Um, you know, we try to be eclectic, utilize like the ingredients that we have um, and really just focus on solid ingredients cooked masterfully, but something that you walk up to a counter, you order, and you kind of get blown away and you walk yeah. away for 50 bucks and you feed your family for it. Yeah, no, I like that. Was it intimidating, I guess, initially thinking that you were going to open a rotisserie healthy place when uh, America is usually born kind of on the fried chicken train? Um, certainly had a number who were just like, maybe you should add fried chicken to this element. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think... I think that, honestly, I mean, like, I think rotisserie chicken is just one of those hallmarks. I, I yeah. think a lot of people pick one up once a week at a grocery store and you have it for dinner and then you have leftovers afterwards. Um, but I don't think store-bought store chicken really does justice to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what Alex has been able to do is makes it amazing. Um, and there's a lot of fried chicken places out there. I like yeah. the fact that we're um, we're in a different category, um, and it's one that yes is like healthier for you. I mean, I say it's like food you can and probably should eat every day, um, but you can also have like this 
you know, very rich experience if you want to. Dark chickens and, ma and mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of nice because it appeals to, to a wide array of, of diners um, who want to do that. But going forward too, I mean, I think that uh, health and, and ecology are, are fresh on a lot of people's minds. Mm -hmm. So I do think that what we're striving to do um, is in line, I think, with a lot of people's both wants and, and hopes for the future of how food could be. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, especially being in Denver, Colorado, from a lot of people that we've interviewed, that either like the focus on, you know, putting beer in cans when that was like a crazy idea because, you know, people in Denver want to hike and then have a can of beer or totally. be active and go home and not feel like shit when you eat a fried chicken, you can actually go and get rotisserie chicken and feel good about yourself. And in my opinion, it tasted better than the fried chicken that I've had. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think there's that like misnomer, which is really funded, you know, um, disperses that healthy food does not taste, can't taste good. Vegetarian mm -hmm. food can't taste good. And that's a hundred percent, not the truth. Um, and I think, what Alex has been able to create and what our teams are able to execute is like some of the most delicious food that I get to eat. It just happens to be much more approachable than a fine dining restaurant and something that I can actually go for a run afterwards if I wanted to, as opposed to go for a nap. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> After a nap, you don't need. Um, so focusing on your guys's menu, would if you had a first time customer come in, what would be your suggested order? And I guess, is there a favorite item that you have that's on the menu that outside of chicken, I guess? Yeah, I mean, a first timer and for dinner, I would usually say we've got this like chook for you. Um, so it's a, a, you know, a very personalized dish and you can get uh, a choice of quarter white or get some uh, dark meat. Um, then you get a choice of one of our sides. Um, and then there's a choice of a sauce that goes with it. Like for a first timer, the chicken is going to blow you away. Like mm -hmm. you haven't had chicken this good and you really should, you deserve to try it. Um, and even the white meat, you know, it's a joke around that we're trying to bring the word moist back in a good fashion. Um, the white meat's amazing. Tastes fantastic. Dark is always great. Yeah. Uh, the sides, you know, I guess it depends if I've have done a long run or maybe I'm feeling groggy. Uh, the Mac and cheese is kind of a go-to great for me. Um, okay. We just put on this miso broccoli dish though uh, just a couple of days ago and it's phenomenal it's got these little fresno chilies that add a little bit of kick it's got this like marinade in, in um in the miso so it's kind of a fun little nod to a little bit of a, an asian dish too and kind of expands kind of the repertoire which again we're not tied to be an aussie we're not tried tied to be an american we're, we're tied to good quality food and, and great preparation of it yeah that's a go-to. But as I will say, I mean, especially for lunch, which I just had an hour ago, like the grilled carrot salad with chicken is like my favorite salad and or just lunch item of all time. Um, it's delicious, the grilled carrots in there and then the strung out carrots on there. And um, it's got some dates in there, it's great cheese. Like it's just such a well-rounded meal uh, that you feel great about afterwards. I also order chicken salad sandwich a lot though, because chicken salad is delicious. Yeah. But again, our chicken's really amazing. The aioli that we put together on it, the bun that we use from the local bakery that we co-own. Um, but you know, Alex, again, if I can't say it enough, like the man can cook. So when we yeah. got menu items from this past menu change, we've gotten a number of angry emails already, being like, "Why did you do this?" Um, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're they're all good. It's tough. Yeah. So do you guys have, a, is it like a rotating menu throughout the year? Is that what that was? Or was that kind of something you guys just, you need to make a change to the menu long-term? No, we, we try to switch it every like six months. So okay. try to capture a little bit of seasonality when it makes sense. So mm -hmm. we had a beaten berry salad on there for a while and it had, you know, the winter side had like some sweet potatoes in it a little bit more like Kind of rustic winter and and then we threw on some some berries for the summer just to kind of switch it up added things like a greek salad for like a little bit lighter summertime fare um mm -hmm. we had a delicata squash dish that literally makes 
hate mail come in all the time when, when we have to take it off, but it is very winter seasonal. Um, and so we haven't done it yet, but pretty soon we'll put on this street corn um, that we've done in the past. Um, so it's not a wholesale change, um, but we're always experimenting and, and trying to figure out new ways and then certainly trying to play with the season. So we'll run this menu until October and then I hate to think about the sun going away because it's finally came, but when it starts to go away, we'll um, we'll throw out some new dishes and play to the seasons a little bit more. Yeah, no, definitely. And just from this interview, I'm like, I mean, I went to Chook on a couple of days ago. It was very good, but I already want to go back. I mean, the amount of things you just named. <laughs> That's awesome. What did you get? What did you order when you were there? Uh, I did the for you as well. Okay. Uh, my, my boss tried to get me to do the salad, but I felt like for the first time go I had to do the for you. Um, yeah. But from what I've heard, like the salads, I think I've talked to like three or four people about it and every single person's like, you have to get a salad. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my second, that's my next go-to. They're, they're ridiculously good. Um, yeah. <laughs> salads are great, the sandwiches are great, the new bowls are great. Like it's tough to go wrong. Yeah, and I know no, I'm supposed definitely. to say that, but I can actually say that because I didn't make any of the food. Like, yes, I'm pushing my business, but I didn't make any of this food. The food's legit. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, and I will be a frequenter going forward. Thank you. Oh, quick question, kind of like focusing more on like what Chuck does in the community. On your website, it seems like you guys are really focused on like community and sustainability. I'd imagine some of that kind of came from your Australian kind of backing, kind of the way the restaurant is. but. Can you go into a little bit more detail on how Chuck promotes community and sustainability? Um, and then I'm not sure how involved you guys are still with the Slow Cook Nations, but um, if you want to go into that as well, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, I think community and sustainability really started with me at Snooze. Um, and that was, you know, I think really a hallmark of, of what we believed. It is the sense that like business really can be a force for good um, mm -hmm. and for change. Um, and that was certainly a, an important part for my brother and I um, when we were running Snooze. And I think they actually do a wonderful job today of the smarter people that are running that company now uh, to continue to, to usher that in. And so again, when I was talking to Alex about Chook and what we can do, it is like, how do we just be a net positive force on everything that we do? That's what's going to get us to get back into this ridiculous business that we're in um, is to know that it's something bigger. Um, so Community and sustainability are obviously hallmarks. We actually have a, a B Corp certification. So for those that aren't familiar, it's a very strenuous test that you take, um, really focuses on not only your engagement with the community, your environmental standards, but it's also your transparency, how you relate to your guests, how you relate to your team, how do you relate to your suppliers? Um, how do you have diversity built into your system? So we actually applied and have this member, our, our B Corp, um, and have been basically since we started the business. But essentially it means things like um, fair and equitable pay, um, trying to create as much diversity and inclusion as we can. Um, environmental stewardship is very important to us. So where do we source our food from? We know where our chickens come from. We know where our vegetables come from. We know where everything is. It's all clean ingredients. There are no additives, preservatives, or shit like in them. Um, and so we wanted again be that really positive force there. Even how we build out the restaurants and maintain them are all like a, a exceptional environmental standards. And then communities like we want to be in, uh, we want to be your neighborhood chicken shop. Um, and we're. You know, we're, we're honestly very grateful that we're even able to be in business, not just this time, but just period, you know, where there's a lot of options out there. And for us, we really want to engage and, and be a meaningful part of any community. Um, so we do donate 1% of all of our sales back into the local community. Um, we do a lot of donation nights, uh, certainly with schools who always are drastically underfunded um, and, and need more of our support. Um, we try to do a lot of things when it comes to environmental groups, um, education, health and mental health is obviously something that's very important to all of our communities right now. So we try to utilize both that 1%. Um, and then we're also really actively engaged just in our communities, serving on boards, um, trying to go out and be as 
cohesive as we can um, in our communities. Um, so we're trying to be engaged and and realize that you know without our communities uh, we are nothing, um, and it's integral for us to be be there um, and to be be community assets. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it's awesome. I mean, it, <clears throat> it's been kind of interesting learning in Denver. It seems like Denver and then Colorado in general, like most companies or restaurants focus a lot more on sustainability and giving back to the community. At least it seems like more than other cities that I've lived in. Um, yeah. It's great to see because it's, you're promoting obviously local businesses, but you're also promoting the people that are around well, it. That's, you know, I mean, that's so much of why people are here, you know, mm -hmm. in the state, like it's a beautiful state. We're very fortunate to have these mountains and these streams and this like gigantic playground that we have. And, you know, as I say many times, like, you know, with that, with that fortune is the, the responsibility to, to do something um, about it. And I think Denver really should be national and, and, and global leaders um, in trying to see forward on what, what we can do for our environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's actually one of the, the great hallmarks and selling points um, for anybody that wants to come into Denver is to, to realize that that's important to our communities. Yeah. No, definitely. And focusing more on what you said about your chicken, you guys get, you said from Indiana. Is yep. that, and is there like a specific way that they raise their chickens that makes you guys different than, you know, going to Popeye's or going to your grocery store and getting rotisserie chicken? Is there like a, it's a pretty distinct difference between the two? Yeah. I mean, just from the raising standards, um, you know, there's, there's no caged environments in there. So any of those shock food ink cat food statements like we've avoided that at all costs we believe okay. that you know animals should have um as long as a life and as, as positive a life as they can so the chickens are able to to range more freely um they're fed a more natural diet um for what they actually deserve to be um even to the end of their days like uh, temple grand and the famed um you know animal rights activist and professor up at CSU has actually gone out and claimed that this is like the most humane way of processing any of these um, chickens um, that came to God. So, and you know, the fact that it's actually pieced together by these small co-op of farms, though it's not just this massive sprawling waste dump of chicken that's being created, that you're finding these small farms that litter the landscape that actually think that they're building back into the ecology, that they're building back into the soils and, and also building back into the, the economics of the community um, to create better livelihoods for all. Um, those are some of you know, the, the really exciting parts about knowing that you know, when you come to us, you don't have to do it for the ideals. You can just do it because it's really damn good. Um, but you can at least walk away knowing that, you know, if you're voting for your dollar, you're voting for it in, in the right way for how animals could and should be raised. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's, I would imagine a lot of people in Colorado would really respect that, um, given that everybody's looking more and more like organic and uh, rightfully raised, I guess you would say. Um, well, I think it's a national wide thing. We don't always see it. Yeah. I think Colorado is certainly a leader, but more and more and more, we all see the degradation to our environments. And, and I saw the other day that it was like 25% of all millennials are vegetarian. Um, there's a vast growing awareness to what our food does to our bodies um, mm -hmm. and what it does to our land. And so we all, I think, are beginning to wake up and, and realize that we have a choice um, to do it. And while we're a small chicken shop, that's hopefully growing. Like hopefully we can also be, leaders and help push the right type of food back into our system. Yeah, definitely. And I guess to be, I don't know, some people might think this is kind of a boring question, but I was, I haven't talked to somebody specifically in the chicken industry. Um, have you guys faced any issues with the current chicken shortage or has it been because you're more sustainable and kind of those kind of different farms, are you not facing as many issues? It's there's there were some dicey moments during um, during the the height of the pandemic, but again because we know our farmers um, and we know the group that we're working with directly, we've established that relationship. And so, I think when you 
see people having a lot of issues, it's because they're out in this commodity market, um, mm -hmm. buying basically nameless, blankless food um, and just wanting it shipped. But when you, when you start to have relationships with farmers and ranchers and the people that are doing it, then you can assure yourself a lot more long-term viability with your, yeah. with your product. Um, and we've been a steady, great customer for them um, and a great advocate and cheerleader. And I think because of that, you actually create a, a better partnership. So we've been fortunate. Yeah, there are some times where it gets dicey, but um, I think you find more and more companies that directly really know where their food comes from, don't have to fear this. And, and the companies that are just buying blank labeled unknown food will yeah. run into issues. Um, and that is a scary part. And again, a, a degraded food system that should raise alarms for everyone. Definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's awesome. Just proves more of why you should be moving towards sustainable and um, more better is chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so looking forward towards the future, uh, we know this is obviously a difficult, sometimes difficult question given what we've done in the last year and what we're coming out of, or hopefully coming out of knock on wood. Uh, but what do you see the future of ch charcoal chicken? Is there continued expansion hopes or are you just going to kind of stick with your three locations? Um, what's kind of your crystal ball answer there? Totally. Crystal balls. Crystal balls all went out the window last year. Um, shattered forever. Yeah. If we were to draw it, um, you know, we we are a takeaway shop. Like that's, that's kind of our, our hallmark. And so while... 15 months ago, it was like the pit of despair. Um, we really worked hard. Our teams did an amazing job and, and were able to revitalize. And I think we were actually able to then tell our guests that we kind of hope to be from the get-go, which is like, we are a takeaway shop. We are your like ideal dinner replacement. We are your ideal like catering or like lunchtime to go business. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the pandemic actually was able to alert people a lot that that is what it is not just like my neighborhood bistro this is awesome for mm -hmm. me to bring home and so you know fortunately we've been able to do all right um after we fixed the number of things in the early months to the point where we actually opened up a new restaurant in the middle of covid if we opened up in the stanley marketplace in aurora um, in december and yeah. you know i have a lot of high hopes for chuck i think that neighborhoods need great chicken shops I think that people do want to eat this type of food. Um, so I certainly see great opportunities um, for what it is that we can do and and hope to continue to bring this to communities because again, I think we're hiring great people, we're giving them great wages, uh, a place that they can believe in, opportunities to grow, um, doing better things for our communities and for our environments. So, to me, I think it's a, a, a something that's a, a winning formula that we should try to continue to grow. Um, that's my crystal ball as of this moment. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I'm excited for, I'm just waiting for you guys to open one of the Highlands so that I can walk over and grab it for dinner. Well, this is your world, that's man. Go help me find a spot. I've heard that a number of times and I, I yeah. used to live up there. I'd love to, I'd love to be in the Highlands. Yeah, no, I'll keep a lookout. <laughs> Um, so I, I do have one question from that. How often do you have take home chicken from Chuck? Do I personally? Yeah. Yeah. Twice a week, I would say this is kind of my go-to. My kids are extraordinarily active in soccer. So it is one of those, like it's seven o'clock. It's late. We're all exhausted. This is exactly yeah. what it's for. Um, and it is nice again, just to be able to peel off some extra chicken the next day and make up a quick salad or sandwich. Um, yeah. And I eat lunch there a fair amount as well. But you know, it's like chicken, like who gets sick of chicken? You, yeah, exactly. You know, there's so much variety that happens to it. Um, I can eat burgers every once in a while. I eat fried chicken when I'm hungover, which is hopefully very rarely. Um, <laughs> I, eat I eat chicken quite a bit. Yeah. And Alex no, does too. It's always funny to hear him say that because he's bouncing around from his restaurants and restaurants and restaurants. And he's like, God, I just never get sick of this food. <laughs> it's like, well, that's good. 
Hope you don't. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, chickens. Chickens hard to get tired of. I completely agree. I think I eat it about four to five times a week. So I'm right there with you and just waiting for my Highlands location to open up. And Ball's in your court, man. Ball's in your court. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Adam, very much for your time this afternoon. Um, everybody, that's Adam Schlegel with Chook Charcoal Chicken. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it.